The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Well, to say I'm excited for this conversation is like way, way, way of an understatement. I want to introduce you to my beautiful friend, Nicolene, who's tuning in all the way from South Africa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, my angel. I'm so, so excited. (laughs) So for those of you listening, you may not know, but Nicolene and I have known each other for a very long time. We met years and years ago. I'm not even going to put a number on it because that would make me feel really old. Um, but in my early 20s, we we met when we were working on cruise ships together. We were traveling the world, going around, and we were working out of a day spa. And there is, I feel like we learned so much from that journey, but it's so amazing to watch you now on your business journey thrive and be so confident in the way that you're sharing everything about franchising and how you're consistently being more and more successful. And it's just such a blessing for me and on my my journey as well to watch you rise with me, which is just amazing. So I really wanted to get you on the podcast to talk all about franchising, but I thought we could also talk a little bit about how we, you know, how we met and all of those things that happened on the, on the cruise ships and, and the fun things that we learned about business in that journey. So before we do that, actually, let me let you introduce yourself. I would love to for you to share everyone. <laughs> I'm like, we could dive into so much already. Oh my God. Um, we've already been talking for half an hour. So we just keep talking and talking. I know that's awesome. <laughs> so for those, you know, obviously um, you're new to a lot of my audience. So do you want to tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm Nicolene Alcherad and I'm known as the Franchise Queen. Um, And the reason for that is because I have multiple businesses, but one of them I did decide to grow bigger and bolder than any of my other businesses. And I franchise it across the country, but by myself, I didn't use an outside company or a consultant to help me. Um, There's a lot of homework that went into it and I know we'll dive deep into that, but that's literally my little baby that I brought to the world. And the reason why I wanted to franchise my coffee shop was because I wanted to share it with the other people that I could see always dreamt of owning their own coffee shop. Um, But Mahabi and I started our very first business together the day after we came back from our honeymoon from my mom's garage. We had no money. We had no experience about what to do, but we knew that we wanted to run our own business. We knew we wanted to work for ourselves. We had so much experience from working on ships together and just, you know, we saw that there's so much out there in the world, um, which is one big thing because when I was raised, I always was told, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side, you know, grateful for what you have don't you know want too much in life but when you've traveled the world and you've really seen all these beautiful cultures and just you know from poverty all the way to wealth you know you can see that there is so much more to what you've been exposed to your whole life that it kind of forces you just to do things differently and that's why my husband and I just we wanted to work for ourselves so we started our first business and 14 years later today we have seven different businesses Um, And we are very, very happy to have structured it in such a way that we actually don't have to work 
in any of them every day. We planned it specifically like that, which is something that I teach my clients because I do believe that in order for your business to be massively successful, it should run without you. But we'll talk about that more. Yes. Oh my goodness. So, so true. My God, so much to dive into. But I feel like people don't understand what it's like to work on cruise ships. And often whenever I bring it up in conversation, because it was such a long time ago, there's like another life. People always ask like, you know, what was it like? And I always go back to, it was a lot of hard work and lots of fun. Mm-hmm. but you made it work. Like for some reason, like, I don't even know how we did it. We worked 12 hours every day yeah. and then we would go party <laughs> and then we'd go and explore a new country every second day. And so I feel like I've taken away so much from that experience, like being able to, yes, the cultures and the, and the different experiences and seeing so much of the world, you're so right, that it makes you open up your eyes of what's possible. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it also makes you innovate differently. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. You completely do things differently. And I think it's because you also respect different cultures better because you've actually met people. That's one thing that I was exposed to. You know, you were raised in a certain way, which is not right or wrong, but you were kind of boxed into how to think about different cultures and religion. And then you get on a ship where there is no religion or culture on the ship. The ship has its own kind of culture and beliefs, which is, you know, very beautiful because it makes it unified for everybody. Um, But you get to know people to their true self because there is no need to show off. You have no car on the boat. You have no, you know, expensive luxury stuff. You just have you. So people get to know people for who they are and everybody works hard. Every position there requires you to work long hours and you're there for a reason. You know, some people came to save up money so they can go buy a house or pay off debt back home. Some people still work there today that we know who are just, this is their life. They love serving the world and having, you know, customers come and make them happy every day. But for me, the the ship world really showed me that, you know, you can do absolutely anything. I met people that were in professions that I didn't even know existed and they absolutely loved it. And that made me realize that, you know, I can do really anything I want. I just need to figure out how to do it. And if someone else has done it, I know I can do it too. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'd love to know, what would you say like your top two lessons about business that you took away from working on ships? Hmm. I would probably say one thing is to truly make your customer feel special. And I think we got that from the spa environment because we only had our customers for a short period of time. Like they were only there for five days or a week or maybe 10 days. And you really had to make them feel like you actually do care. You had to give your your best to them so that you can have a sale from the experience or so that you can solve a specific concern. Because in our industry as well, we had people that would come back cruise after cruise. We had people that would order the products again online. So it's not that you could like BS them into buying just stuff, but it's because you wanted to be known as that therapist that did that extraordinary experience for that customer. And the other thing that I really picked up on was teamwork. Um, for me in the spa specifically, you could work your way up to being a assistant manager or even a manager for the cruise ships. And, the, and they also noticed you when you did more. And that's what I realized now that I have teams, I notice the people that put in the extra hours. I encourage my staff to show me what they're worth, because if you decide to stay in the back corners, if you don't want to exceed yourself, you just want to kind of blend in, that's where you will stay the rest of your life. But if you really want to be seen, doesn't matter what you do, um, you just need to learn to step up. You need to learn to own that space. And that's what I really saw. I saw that teamwork is great. You get inspired by so many beautiful men and women from all over the world. Um, But together, you can really learn so much from each other. And that's where we did the sales and the strategy and systems. Everything came from there. And even though we were both there, I don't think we realized it when we were there. But then you get off ships and you see 
how land-based businesses are running, you think, oh, you could be doing this so much better. You could be doing it so much faster. And that's when you kind of implement what you've already learned. Oh, you're so right. Absolutely. Like I feel like when I, like one of my first roles after working on cruise ships and you know this because you visited the spa that I then took over and I feel like I was able to then walk into that business and see exactly what was not working, right? And to be able to go, I know exactly what systems to put in place. I know exactly what to do with the team. I know how to motivate people. Like there was so much that I was able to take from that experience and go and literally turn a business around so quickly. Mm. And the other thing I feel like I really learned from that is, I guess there's probably two things. One is that you are rewarded based on results, not on time which I think, you know, as an employee, you can get caught up. And I see this happen with a lot of women that I work with as well, right? Like they're in the employee mindset and still stuck in the time-based response of like, well, I get paid for time. Whereas I feel like with ships, we were really rewarded if you gained the results. Like if you were able to get the results, you won, right? And that's how we survived. Like there was no way we'd be able to drink at the bar every night if we didn't obviously, uh, you know, sell some retail. Um, I feel like I learned how to sell so well through that. But also I feel like the other lesson that I learned, which is almost like um, I've heard a lot of people who have worked at Disney talk about it like this as well, where they talk about how like you're on, right? Like you're on show and you're there for your customer to have that incredible experience. And it's like, almost like there's the behind the scenes and then there's the show when you open those doors and it's on. Like, I feel like that has also really served me in my business where even when you didn't feel like it, even when you couldn't, you were exhausted, you were hungover, like (laughs) you figured it out and got back out there. That's very important because in business, you have to be able to put your personal stuff to the side, you know, like whether you're tired, whether you've had a long night or an argument with someone, you have to be able to shift that mentally And like you said, put the switch on and do the thing that you're supposed to do. So whether you're the boss today, whether you're in the employee today, whether you're thinking of starting a business, it's literally switching that mindset on and go, I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do. And later on, I can go figure out the other stuff. Um, Because one thing that I also remember about Chips is we, we had such little time off to really enjoy things offshore that even if we only had two or three hours, we would be packing that beach bag, running to the beach, lying, tanning literally for like an hour, have a cocktail and run back to the beach because we realized that if you don't grab the small opportunities in between your workday, you would just work. And even today, I get to notice that. I teach my kids how to see the good spaces in between your day so that it doesn't just all feel like big ha- one hamster wheel that you're just on consistently. And I remember that. I, I joke with my husband about it all the time, how we used to run to the beach. So I think that is something that I've taken back and said, in my day, I must find these golden moments in between, whether it's the half an hour you're sitting on the couch reading a book or watching cartoons with your kids or just reading before you go to bed, whatever that is for you. But kind of like notice the moment don't just overflow them pause and go wow I'm so lucky that I get to to do this in this very moment whatever that might be love that yes I often say that to my clients too and I I call it like you take a take a screenshot right like take a mental screenshot and take a moment to actually feel what you feel in that moment because your life is literally made up of moments so if you're not taking the time to actually acknowledge and experience and, and notice it it just flies by so I love that. I, I would love to know because I don't actually know this, which is sad because we need to catch up more. But I want, I want to know what inspired the original coffee shop idea. 
Mm, well, hubby and I, we love going out. In fact, we still have our regular Tuesdays date night. We're very big on it. And I would recommend this to anybody that has a special person in their life. <laughs> when you start having kids, life gets very busy. So having a night that's just you, even though my hubby and I only talk about business, it doesn't matter. It's our night. Um, but what happened was we liked going out and we actually noticed that Coffee is an expensive luxury kind of experience here in South Africa and a lot of places in the world as well. But it, it, we noticed that a lot of people, including even my nanny, wouldn't be able to come here every day. And I thought that that was quite sad that something like coffee cannot be enjoyed every single day. Now, in a lot of cultures, it depends on the country. It is a coffee culture. People buy coffee on their way to work. Um, some people only make it at home. Like there's a different way you, you might experience that in your country. But for us, we just thought, no, man, this it couldn't be that expensive. So obviously when something like that ignites in us, we start digging a little bit. And at that point, we already had five businesses. So I said to Mahabi, let me do something on the side, something completely different. We just had our twins. I thought, okay, let me do something new. So it took me about two years, Christine, to really do all the research about how coffee shops would work, how much to charge for things, um, what I didn't want my coffee shops to have as an experience. So I really drank a lot of coffee for about a year. I went to over 65 coffee shops and just sat in them, you know, like really just took in the, the experience and made notes about what I wanted and what I didn't want. And then we figured out that things are not that expensive and that you could have a business model where you could sell quantities instead of just having two or three sales with a high ticket price. And yes, there's markets for that because we have other businesses where we do high ticket items, but this, it had a bigger meaning for me. I really wanted people to have this beautiful experience where you could bring your whole family every day for a cup of coffee and a treat. So we did take it to the next level. We thought, no, well, we don't want you just to drink coffee. We want you to eat something. And because I'm all about display and how beautiful something must look, I didn't want to sell these little like nubbly bit sizes of food. I say to my hubby, if it can't be big, we're not putting it on the menu. So it literally took me about six months to find the right suppliers that could actually give me the right size at the right price. Because people were just thinking, I'm, I'm being ridiculous. Why would you want to sell such a big thing at such a low price? And I had to eventually start sharing my story so that they can go, Oh, okay. Now we get it. And what, what also was important is we wanted people to know that this is going to be a long-term journey. If you sign on as, for example, my milk supplier, you need to know that I'm going to have a hundred stores at some point, And I want you to do this with me. So we could already see there that people were looking at us differently. They were thinking, wow, are these people either crazy or are they serious? Like it was really weird to have certain conversations with people. Um, but then when we had all our ducks in a row, we just waited. We actually waited and uh, we couldn't find any spaces, which was quite sad because I had all of these plans. I had the pictures drawn up. I was very excited. And please keep in mind, up until this point, Christine, I had no idea how to make a cup of coffee. I had no idea how to even fit out a store. Like I was like Googling where to buy chairs for a coffee shop. Like we had no idea how to do these things. But I kept thinking, you know, if other people can do it, so can I. And the first store will maybe not be perfect, but we'll fix it and then we'll just move on. And then about six to eight weeks later, we found or we got offered three locations at the same time. And, um, and they were all in three different spaces. One was in a shopping center, one was in a quiet space in, in the suburb area, and the other one was in the city center. And I said to my hubby, you know, I don't, I don't know, what, which one do we choose first? They're so different and all three will really tell us whether our business model will work or not. And he's like, well, let's just do all Oh my God. <laughs> now to make it very 
clear. I know. We we didn't have a lot of money for this. This is not really, we didn't come in with millions to, to set this up. What we did do very well in the beginning is we worked our numbers. We knew exactly how much a store is going to cost us to build. We compared 10 to 20 different carpenters to give us the best price. Again, having that relationship with him, knowing he's going to build the next 20 for us. You know, like this is your opportunity to brag about your work. We advertise them as well. So their prices were quite low as well on the entry point. And even with the equipment, you know, my husband's a very good negotiator, but we made sure that they understand, you know, like this is, we're going to be on the news because we knew that this is going to be different. Um, and we're going to talk about you as a supplier. So, you know, and, and a lot of people came to the game with um, a low ticket item for us to help us out in the beginning. Um, but that's what happened. So in the first two months, we opened three stores. Christine, I never slept. I never went home. <laughs> I lived inside my coffee shop. I remember my feet was so sore, even when I was sitting, I couldn't like feel my feet. It was so funny. However, I was in the happiest place of my life because I finally did something. I, I, I grew something from the ground. Now, yes, I had five other businesses and we also started that by ourselves. But this, because I knew nothing about it, because I actually had doubts in myself about it, seeing it was life-changing. And because I knew that every customer that's going to walk through the door is going to be life-changing experience for them as well, it ignited it so much more. So that was how we actually got started into the three stores. Um, but I would not recommend opening three in two months for everybody. It's a bit overwhelming. And it was just me and my one assistant. We literally worked every day, like seven days a week from open to close. And keep in mind, in shopping centers, you have extensive trading hours as well and um, we had like loads of staff like we did everything wrong as well in the beginning like I had way too much staff I was paying them way too much um, we were wasting food so we did all the things wrong and even yet when we did that the business still worked the model still worked and that's when I knew okay we've got something we just need to fix it better we just need to make it more profitable make it even more smooth and silky and have it run properly and then we can multiply it even more. So that's why when I tell my clients, when you come to me, even when you think your business is not ready to expand, I can help you get it ready. There's just a, there's usually 10 or 20 things that we can just tweak and change and make it better. And that's how you'll get ready to expand. Mm, love it. Oh, my God. What a journey. And I'm so fascinated with the fact that you were straight up, like before you had the three stores, you knew it was going to be multiple stores. So yeah. was that the intention right from the get-go? Well, we wanted a few stores, but we didn't want to think we would ever franchise. That really didn't come to mind for us. Um, you know, Mabi and I like to think big. So we, I think when we thought, oh, we'll have loads of stores, we maybe our load would have been like 10, I think, in the bigger scheme of things. But again, we were very cheeky, Christine, because we had no idea what this food business was. Like my hubby, I think he, he helped me out a couple of days and he could see like this is long hours on your feet. This is it's a difficult industry to be in because even when you make the perfect cup of coffee, someone will complain. Even when the pastry is beautifully, the one customer cannot stop telling you how amazing it is. The customer right next to them will tell you it's the worst thing they've ever had. So you need to be open to this kind of world. And I think that's when we realized that, you know, first of all, you cannot make everybody happy. You have to have your own mission and your own vision for your business. And that's just where you need to kind of stay on track and not get kind of deflated with everything else that happens around. That's also the staff challenges. Like, God, I can't imagine, like, hospitality, the staff changeover would just be con constant to then get staff for three stores at the same time. Like, it sounds insane. But I love that you made so many mistakes to begin with because I guess you learnt fast, right? Like, it wasn't this slow burn. You had to learn fast. And that's yeah. your space. Oh, yeah. 
if I'm if I'm if I'm losing money, if I'm losing money, I learn fast. Like I don't want to lose money. So I think for me that was a good thing. And, and a lot of times, Christine, today entrepreneurs are just too scared to take a chance. They 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 I think they might think that they're going to lose everything. And even before we started this business, and my husband and I, we, we always talk about what will happen if it works, what will happen if it doesn't work, before we start anything. And we always look at worst case scenario. We open these three stores, what will happen if, if it just doesn't, it's a bust. Nobody comes after three months, we still have made no money. You will never lose everything, right? You will have the equipment that you can resell. You Yes, you you lose the uniforms and you know there's a few things, but at the end of the day, we looked at it, we would probably have lost between 20 to 25% of our investment. That's it. It's never everything. So, and I think that's what you have to think about when you're trying to expand your business. Even when you say, I'm going to hire two more staff members to grow my sales team or to grow my business, you need to really work out what would be the worst case scenario when they come in, you've got them from three months, you've paid them a salary, yes, but would you lose your business because of it? Or would you just maybe lose some time? Or would you maybe actually gain two or three clients? Like you need to really work it out across the board so that you know before you do the thing, what's the worst that can happen? And that will actually make you feel more um, in control of the decision. Because if you don't feel in control, that's when you just never take action. And that's when it stays in the dream phase. And that's why we don't grow up. That's even when you make bad decisions, right? When you're stuck and you're actually leading from a place of scarcity and worrying about that. You're so right. Like I literally did a podcast on this earlier around, you know, increasing your risk tolerance because- if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to take risks. And sometimes, I, but I love the fact that you're then going into the calculation of the risk, right? Like actually exploring it right to that level. And the level of research that you did, like there was such certainty that came with that, right? Because you know all the ins and outs, but you're also planning big. Like, I feel like you've always been that way. Like, it's always like, just go big or go home. Like, what's the whole point? <laughs> Yeah, I remember on chips when I would when I would do the facials and I would tell people like, this is the whole range that you want, you know, like everybody would either I just, oh, here's the day cream. And Nicolene goes, no, this is the 20 things you need to look gorgeous. And I used to sell them so well, because for me, it's either do everything or don't even wash your face. Like, <laughs> let's go home. So, yeah, so for, even now today, like I, I look at the business and we still learn. Every single month we review our business, Christine, which is so important. And I sometimes forget. I mean, I've got other things I also do. And I'm a mom and I've got three kids. But I, I focus on looking back and saying, okay, what was the worst that happened this month? What was the best that happened? How can we do it even more easier? How can we cut out what's not working? And I think a lot of times we forget to do those things. And we just get into that hamster wheel over and over. And we just run our business. We work super hard. We sacrifice so much of our time and energy to do this business, whatever your business is, from a salon to a pet group business you, you work so hard and it, if you could have just maybe made a half a day your day to be the boss and in that day you focus on what's working what's making me money what's not making me money what should I stop doing immediately and really shift and whether it's just one small thing you change every month by the end of the, the, the year you will be running your business differently because you're making change but if you don't do that you're literally just going to be doing the same thing over and over yes absolutely and I think some people have so much fear around reflecting on it and they, or they think that yeah. they should be further ahead before they stop and reflect. I avoid things. I'll be very honest. Like I have this chart that I need to give my accountant every month with money that we receive. And I just need to check some stuff. I'm always avoiding it. And I even tell him like, can you just do it? I just don't want to know. I just don't care. I'm happy the way I am. And he's like, 
No, you're the one that must tell me where everything goes. It was so funny. So yeah, even though you, I might have lots of money, I might have lots of businesses, I might be doing everything that I love. There are still things that I also avoid. I, I don't like, you know, having um, these assessments with my staff when I know that there is a problem. I'd rather have someone else do it because what I will do is I'd rather have a session with you where I motivate you and tell you how awesome you are. I don't like the negative parts about business. And, and a lot of people don't. But then I got someone to take care of that for me who's really good at that because they believe that if they fix that part, the staff member will also be better. Yeah. So it's to know where you're good at and where you're not and just get other people to help you so that you don't have to do all the things yourself. Absolutely. I love that. I think that so, so often we can get stuck playing small or staying at the same level because we're not willing to let other people in and actually get the help that we uh-huh. really need. But I love that you've had that time to really reflect and go, well, where do I even want to spend my time? Like if I, if I hate doing that, why do I keep doing it? Like there's no point. It's not, not, not the best thing for the team member either for you to be sitting in the meeting hating it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So where did then the franchising idea come from? When How did that start? So after our first year, we had five stores and we had hundreds, hundreds of people would email us, ask us about the brand, um, you know, like, are you expanding to this town or to that town? And we were just, our five stores were literally all in about a 45 minute drive from our house. We were very intentional with that. Um, But then we realized after having five and it was still me and my one assistant, we just hired a third person that I could not add more to my basket at this stage. I would have to grow my team. But even if I have my team, then I would have to go out of town with, you know, like bigger areas. And that would involve a lot of different things. And then I thought to myself, how could I share this so that other people can have, you know, a piece of it as well. So we had some people ask us about franchising, but because we had no idea about it, we've had experience before of having multiple locations. Some of our other businesses have multiple locations. So we knew that model worked, but I wanted something where the people that would join me, that Christine, that this would be their dream. Like this is something they've always wanted to do. And that's when we realized it took us about a year to figure out how we want to franchise our business, how we want to take all the corporate BS out of the process, how we just want to make it easy and fun for me to share my business with you. That's really all that it is, you know, and we made sure that our contract was specifically set up so that the business is always protected that I'm not that much protected. The person that's investing is not protected. The business is protected. So if I die, the business can continue. If my franchisee, something happens, God forbid, then the business can continue. Both of us have duties to make the business work, which sometimes when I've read through um, franchise contracts that you can find on the internet, and that's how I did some of my research, a lot was all about the owner, you know, or the creator of the business. They need to be protected. And I thought, you know, yes, true, it is my baby and I brought it to life, but someone else is putting their money into this business and they're also expecting me to help them and guide them and show them how to make more of a success every year. And so I do believe that there are both pieces that have to come to the puzzle. Both people have to like really do their part. Um, But after about a year, we had our first sale of a franchisee and I was so so nervous I'll be honest with you I thought oh my goodness what if she screws this up what if this is not going to work like oh how do we fire someone like this it was so funny and we interviewed this woman who you could see this was her biggest dream ever now I've met a lot of people Christine who wants to own businesses or start a business like most entrepreneurs but when you meet someone who always have wanted to do what you're doing like they're looking at you literally like you're this wow person for them it does make you go 
wow, okay, th this is going to be great because they don't want to come in and take over your business. They don't want to steal your idea. They want to learn from you. They're looking at you going, oh my goodness, you've done this. You clearly know what you're doing. I just want to be a part of this ride. And they were willing to invest. And I thought also when you're willing to invest in someone's concept that you don't even know personally, they've only been, she's one of my, she used to be one of our favorite clients that used to come to one of our stores. But I mean, she came, she could see that we're consistent. We're there. We didn't disappear after a year. So that was by year three when that finally um, happened. And that's when I realized if those are the people I can attract, to invest in my business. People that just, they want to be a part of this. They're not coming in here to break it. Then my model will work. And that's exactly what's happened. And now we're well, five years later, we have 31 stores and we have, to be honest with you, I actually don't know the number. I think it's about 11 franchisees because some of them own two or even three stores. And that's the whole concept. I want to have less people, but them owning more stores so that they can make more profits as well. And it's it's running beautifully. And I mean, we do trainings with them. We assist them. We have a very big open door policy so that they can always come to us for advice. And that's what I teach my clients. When you franchise your own business, you have to be that kind of person. You have to be able to receive criticism. You have to be able to learn and teach and guide every single day. I may, maybe I'm making it sound not really intense, but it's not, but you need to be able to be that kind of person because someone else wants to learn from you and you have to teach them. Not everybody knows how to run a business. They don't know how to manage staff. They don't know how to do their accounting. And we assist them with all of that to make sure that they are successful because they're a part of my brand. Mm, absolutely. And I think that you're right. Like you do have to have that part of your personality that you do want to serve and help people. Mm -hmm. But I also think like there's an intense for any type of business at the beginning, right? Like when you're starting something and you bring on a new team member, you bring on a new franchisee, like there's going to be a bit of work, right? Like you want it for it to go well. There's going to be some work that goes into play with that. So what's, what's your favorite part about it now? The day we open the store and I get to tell the world that, for example, this store belongs to Christine. She is the new owner of the store. She's now, you know, stepped into being a business owner because maybe before she's never had a business and she gets to run a business by herself. It's massive for people that have never had that opportunity. That really brings me joy. The other part of it is that we've just employed six new people. So with every new store that we open, we help the community. We improve people's lives. We also teach our staff skills, not just to do the barista work. We make sure that they can do everything in our coffee shop, which a lot of coffee shops don't do. They only hire people for one specific job, and that's what you do every single day. Right. We do things a little bit differently because I want you, even when you leave me, to have an up level of your, your career. You must be able to give back more. You must be able to feel like you've grown as a person. So those two things are very important for me when we grow is the money is really just a bonus. Um, and, and that's what's nice when you start growing your business. The more stores you have, Christine, the easier it gets to grow. I think it's like children. I have three when I had two, I, one more was not going to make a difference. So I think it's the same when it comes to your stores, because you're doing things on autopilot. There are certain things that you've already delegated. Um, I work less today than I did five years ago. And it's because I've learned that I don't have to do everything. It's okay to delegate. It's okay to not you know, want to go to work every day, but I'm the visionary for my business. And I've realized now more than ever, I need these days where I don't go into the office, where I sit and brainstorm strategy for my business. 
Who's going to be our next level of contact? Who's going to be that next you know, business meeting where we're going to take the brand even one step further? You need those times because you can't do that when you're physically serving the customer day to day. So as a boss, it's hard to sometimes think, OK, but I'm not going to be at work today. What is my staff going to think? You know, like because I didn't show up. I remember years ago before we even did the franchise, one of our businesses were doing really well, the one that we started from our garage. And I had the twins and I wanted to work from home, you know, in the first six months. And I felt so guilty because what would my staff think? Oh, she's such a pathetic mother. She doesn't want to put her kids in a crash. She just wants to stay at home. And it was really hard, even though I knew I was working my butt off at home, but it's a, it's a process. And being the boss makes you realize that you need to learn to let certain things go and you need to put your business first. And if your business needs you to do certain things, that's where you need to man up. There's also an element of like, relinquishing a little bit of control so right like being able to be (laughs) (laughs) not easy to do now I don't mind Christine now oh my goodness I would pay someone to literally go to the store and you know buy me ice like whatever I need I would pay you to go do it for me because my time is so precious right now like my kids I write I'm I'm the one that would want to be there when I pick them up from school or when they come home my mom helps me out a lot with picking up the kids from home uh, from school and when I when they get home I want to be here And I don't want to work when they're here, you know, like I want to be present because they also have 10,000 things that they do. And, you know, we love Xbox and we love watching our own shows and the time with mommy becomes less and less. And I want to just be here. And in order for me to do that, I had to force myself to let go. So now when you start noticing that I can pay someone to do a task for me. First of all, they're probably going to do it faster and better than what you would have done it in the first place. And you could do more in that time. Now, I realized at first, Christine, when I started making money in the time after delegating something, and that's when you go, okay, I can see how this is working. But then when you start realizing, okay, it's not just the money I want anymore. I just want to have time off. I want to go on a coffee date. I want to go with my hubby. I want to stay at home or whatever. Then you value that time more. And there's really no price to it. And you just need to decide, do I need to be the person that needs to do this or not? Yeah, such a good question. Do I need to do this or not? So good, so good. So I would love to know. So obviously, like some people think that franchising isn't necessarily for them. So from your experience, is there certain types of businesses that you feel franchise the best? Well, first of all, and a lot of people might disagree with me, I truly believe any business can be franchised. The reason I say that is because your business does something, right? You're, you're solving a problem or a concern or something for someone. That's why they come to you. They buy your product or your service from you. And there's a transaction that happens with money and you know, there's that whole process. And then there's the result. Now, someone out there would like to do what you're doing. Whether it is an online business and they don't know how to set it up, how to even sell, how to market, how do I do the the ABC that you're teaching your people, you can sell that in a package. Now, there's a lot of difference between franchising and licensing, which we don't have to go into, but certain things you license off because it's not an actual business. It's a part of something and it can be combined with something else. But when you're franchising, for me, it's putting your business in a little box and sharing it with someone in a different town. That's literally what it is. So businesses that I think just more easily would franchise is something where, for example, like the beauty industry, coffee shops, bakeries, if you have a pet grooming business, I have a friend who does um, pet food and that type of businesses are good. I've got an HR firm that we're franchising now. We've got an accounting firm. So even service-based places um, that you would think that you don't have anything to physically give to the person can also be franchised because it's all about the formula, the actual system that you're using. If you're doing something every single day that's bringing clients in you're making money from it there's an exchange and it works 
then you could be selling that to someone else because you're actually selling the, I, the fact that you've created it, the fact that you've put the formula together. It's like a recipe. Someone will pay for a recipe to get a specific cake. You're not just going to give it away for free if you've maybe got the secret ingredients. So it's exactly the same in business. But for example, like the, even the, the fitness industry, having a studio you know, a lot of people would want to franchise that because, again, I love yoga, but I have no idea like where to get the equipment. What's the rules? Where can I combine this with something else? And having the two minds or the three minds in business world come together, Christine, you know, it just makes everything so much better. I mean, when we go to events, we, you know, you talk to people who've either done what you want to do or there's someone in the room who wants to do what you've done, everybody benefits from everybody and everybody sees it from a different angle, which makes you realize like we can actually do this, but we just need to figure out what the actual steps are. Mm, I love that. Oh, so good. So what are some of the things that you feel like a business needs to have in place before they consider franchising? So what we do is when you start working with me, I I first make sure your business is profitable. So please make sure that your business is making good profits. You don't have to make millions. Let me make this very clear. Okay. My business was not making millions before we franchised, but we were making good profits. So someone wants to look at your business and go, if I'm going to give you $10, how much am I going to get out of it? It's really, there's an exchange and you want to know how much you're going to make over the next couple of years. So there's the prediction of sales that you also want to get into. But again, you don't have to do the numbers. That's why we get beautiful accountants, people who love this world. And that's why they can help you out figuring that as well. But looking at cutting some of your expenses, negotiating better prices. Oh, Christine, there's so many things small business owners just don't pay attention to. And they're literally wasting money every single day. So those, those are the first things we look at. We also look at making sure that your offer that you sell is the best that you can sell. So generally, for example, like even in our menu, we would take off items every couple of months that are not profitable or that's just not selling. Because when you keep something on your menu, especially if it's a physical item, it's costing you money sitting there. Whether it's on the shelf or in the freezer, it's costing you money. And you wanna have a business where the turnover is nice and fast, but it doesn't cost you money just sitting there waiting for it. So it's, it's opening your mind to that kind of formula that needs to be perfect. It's easy. And the other part that happens is you need to have systems and processes in place. Now, between you and me, I hate the word systems and processes. It always sounded so complicated to me. I was like, oh my goodness, do I have a system? Yeah. What does that mean? What is a process? <laughs> it just means how do you do your stuff every day? You just need to know how you do it and you need to document yeah. it. And this is from how do you promote your business? How do you get clients in? How do you hire staff? How do you fire your staff? How do you promote your business in the sense of when they're there? How do you upsell? What's the actual products that you're selling? So for example, in the salon, you would have to have a manual that explains how you do every single treatment. Because remember, we want the customer to have the same experience in any of your stores. So like in our case, we have recipes that's part of our manual that you get because you have to follow those recipes so that the the muffin tastes the same in any of the coffee shops. So those type of things just need to start being in place. And again, you're already doing this in your business, but I can guarantee you're not manualizing that. So you need to put all this information, document it, put it in a manual and have it there because this is what you'll pass over. Um, And the other thing before you can franchise is yes, you get a contract and the lawyer and between you and me, Christine, this is the one thing that stops most people from franchising because I think the contract is so complicated or that, you know, it's just too expensive. 
And it's probably the easiest part of franchising. So I really wanted to bust that myth out of the bank immediately. Most countries or all countries have their local franchise association. And this is where you will get all the information about how you can franchise, what do you need to have in place, um, how long does the process take? Because paperwork does take a little while. And that's usually the thing I would start with first is go find out how that works in your country, get it activated because paperwork just takes forever. And again, the paperwork is stuff you already have. They're not gonna ask you, for the birth certificate of your child. They're just gonna ask you about everything about your business and you just need to be able to present that. So when you have all of that in place, the next big thing is your mindset. You really have to be in a space where you want to share your business. You can actually envision having stores. Christine, this is so hard for a lot of people to actually close their eyes and see what life would look like if they had five stores where they're not the owner, it's someone else. Um, they can see how instantly now they're serving five times the clients that they currently serve. They're making, the brand is making five times the amount of money. It's, it's sometimes very hard for people to envision it, but you have to be able to see that aspect come to life because that is what ignites this burning fire inside of you going, ooh, I really want that. That would be exciting. I might not know what the steps are and how to do it, and that's okay, but start with envisioning it because it's literally just one step at a time, and that's the first step. That you Love have. it. I would imagine that would bring up so much fear. <laughs> fear of success, fear of failure. All it does. It does. But I think, I think it also, you need to be able to envision it because it will show you whether or not yeah. that's something you want. You know, some people will go, oh, I'd love to have my, let's say they're a designer. One of my um, ladies in my group is a designer. So she would love to have her brand inside other stores. She doesn't want her boutiques everywhere. She wants to collaborate and have that. And in the beginning, you would be like, oh, my goodness, that is intimidating. Like, how am I, this small little person, going to go? But that's how major stores are, you know, made. Like, I don't know if people think if you go to a main retailer that that's their only brand, like they're the only designer. They're not. There's like 40 people selling their clothes yeah. in that brand. Um, but it's because the lack of knowledge and the lack of experience makes you doubt yourself. And then you think, no, I could never do that. And you just need to make sure that you're in the right community so people can actually push you and believe in you and give you that small nuggets of advice so that you can just mm, take those things. Yeah, steps. absolutely. I think the education piece is often what keeps a lot of people stuck in fear because they're literally like, well, I don't know how, so I just won't, right? They just end up mm -hmm. staying in that stuck place. Yeah. But I would imagine because you were getting actually getting a lot of people contacting you, wanting you to franchise before you even then considered doing it, there was something that you guys were doing mm -hmm. well, doing right, that encouraged that or that made that want to be an, you know, an aspirational thing that they wanted to get into. What do you feel that was? I think it was the energy in the space. I went, I, and again, up to this point, we didn't do any social media. So this was the business where I knew we need to go into Facebook and Instagram and really just show the world what we did. And I was in the stores every day. And I think that makes a big difference because if you hide behind your company's name, the brand, and you don't actually interact with your customers, you don't show them your energy and the fact that you're so excited about this and you talk about how this is going to change the world, then you cannot attract people. So even now, if you're thinking like, I would love to have five stores or franchise my business, you need to already speak about that. You need to speak it into the world so that energetically you can start attracting people who look at you and go, I want to be a part of whatever she's doing because she is on a mission. She's energized. She's in control. You, you're actually creating the safety space for people who don't know what to do. 
And that is why you are the brand. So when you talk about your business, whether it's privately, whether you're in your business, whether you are on social media, you need to brag about your business and not in a, oh, look at me, this is what I've done way. Look at what my business is doing. Look at my customers, get the testimonials. You know, it's all the things we know, but I know so many beautiful business owners right here in my town who don't, they never brag about their business and they should because their businesses are beautiful and they are the creator. But people cannot invest in you and your business if they don't know who you are. People invest. I have one woman specifically who said to me when she bought the store, I I love the fact that you're a mom and that you still kick ass in business. And it's because I share about being a mom. So, you know, don't underestimate what your life is like and start sharing that with your audience. And a lot of times, Christian, I tell my, my clients before we even start working together, go to your audience and say, if you could own a business like mine, you know, what would be the first question you would have? Just like put out these little fillers, like see what people would ask. Or if I can open up another location, this is usually a good one. Where do you guys think I should open another store? And instantly you will see where your followers are coming from, because usually we don't even know. You'll see the actual locations where they think your next location should be. And that's when you start waking up people going, oh my goodness, is she franchising this or is she selling something? Oh, I'm going to ask her. People underestimate this. They really think that the world is just not noticing them, but they are. And you just need to start activating that energy in the space. Oh, preaching my language, loving it. (laughs) So good. So good. But you're so right. Like you've got to speak it into existence and people will buy into you when they know your why, right? When they understand and they see that vision, if they don't know it, people aren't going to look for it. People aren't going to try and pick it out of you. Like you've got to be the one that's going to be forthcoming with that. And I think that that's really powerful to actually put that out into the world. So I just love that. I love that. And I feel like it's been definitely a strength of yours that you've been able to, you know, celebrate yourself and be able to celebrate success as it's come along, come, you know, come your way. And I think it's something also where you're such a massive action taker as well. Like you're just like me, like we're literally just like, okay, that's the goal. Let's go and make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it's because I also know what it's like when you don't have anything. I mean, I I remember starting in our garage, Christine, you've been to our home that it's the hottest town in South Africa. We had no air conditioning. It, it was horrific. And I used to be so embarrassed when our clients would come to us because I didn't think they knew we were in a home. Um, they thought probably we had a little office space and I was embarrassed. And I remember saying to myself that we can do better than this. We just need to get to that next level. So I always encourage people to not get discouraged about where you are, but to use it as a fuel to get to the next level. And to say that I can be bigger, I can have an office space, I can have two locations, I can have a team of five people, I just need to know how to get there. And it usually comes down to breaking it down, having literally just the, what is the next step? Do I need to interview someone? Do I need to start making sales calls? Do I need to start looking at opportunities for offer spaces? Because if you don't put your fingers out there, nothing's going to come to you. And I think that's the mental block as well. People usually just like to try and stay small because they're scared. And I was also very scared. I was very scared every time we moved into a bigger space because the expenses would become more. But then I would go straight back to the numbers and go, in order to afford this, this is how much I need to sell extra. And that's what I used to focus on. I'm a very big numbers game. Even now, Christine, we're elevating our coffee shop industry so massively. We're going to open up a hub and we are going to produce our own um, food completely and not making use of any suppliers, which means it's a new brand by themselves. We'll be able to supply other coffee shops and restaurants and hotels with our products, um, which already we've had people ask us for for years. But on the side, we're also going to start roasting our own coffee. 
Now, again, we know nothing about doing these things. We've been using the products for five years, but when you reach a certain point, when you're spending so much money to someone else to give you something, you have to start looking at it like, well, why can't I just do this myself? Why can't I just buy the machine, hire teams and let them run that for me and then start a new business? So I even want to encourage your audience, like, look at your business. What is something that you're doing all the time, but through someone else? It could even be printing equipment that you're using lots of paperwork and flyers and business cards. And um, could you not start a business because you're already covering most of the expenses of that company from your own, you know, own pocket anyway. And it's just to start looking at your business like that. I, I had a client the other day that asked me about what type of business ideas, you know, she can come up with. And we literally just had this conversation. I said, don't think of starting a spa if you don't have a spa, I said, you don't have to think that big and indifferent. Look at your own business and what you're, you can just do in-house that you already use. It's already in your you know, kind of field. You're doing it every day. And that's when it ignites faster. And literally in our conversation, we came up with three different things that over the next year she can start. And she knows other business owners that will use it from her. It was not something that she originally thought of. But when you have conversations with people, it wakes up ideas like bouncing things around, like you and I were doing this just before we, we did this recording, like just bouncing ideas makes you feel like you're not alone. You're not crazy. Your ideas are worth going after, but you need someone to do that. with. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Oh, love it. So good. And thinking about it from that perspective, we often think outside, right? We go, well, how can I create another business external to our own existing business? But you're literally cutting out the middleman, which is just such a smart idea. Yeah. Just love it. Oh, amazing. So I want to know, like, what are some of the things that you feel have been some of the biggest lessons in business over your journeys? Uh, definitely trust my gut. We've had to burn our fingers a few times, even when we knew we shouldn't do something. Um, and I think that's my biggest thing. I've learned to trust my gut. If I, even if I interview someone today and everything on paper is perfect, but just something feels off, I just say no. Where in the past, I would still give that person a turn because I think, no, they're so amazing. And I always get burned. So now, 14 years later, there's just those elements that I know that I should just follow my gut. Um, the other thing is that I, from the beginning, if I could have gone back, I would have definitely looked at managing my time better because I think as a business owner, we can, our whole day can be filled with doing things that our business needs to have done, but it doesn't have to be us. And just knowing that and being clear with yourself that, okay, for the next two hours, I'm going to do stuff, but it's not really going to make me any money. It doesn't have to be done by me. And I could really not do it, but I'm going to do it because I'm the only person. But knowing that will make you focused on it every day so that it will kind of force you to immediately hire someone because it will be like this nagging child almost next to you asking for something the whole time when you are not the one that's supposed to do it. If I really started delegating much quicker and even automating my business a lot quicker, I would have saved so much time. And what I would have done in that time, it might have been make more money or it might have just been enjoy the ride more. Christine, this is something that I wish people would do so much yeah. more. Celebrate your wins. When you get one client, celebrate it. When you went a dollar sale, celebrate it because you've worked really hard to get it there. So celebrate things more, but definitely make sure that you, you delegate, you get rid of things that shouldn't be you, because that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't love so much what they do after a while, because you end up just doing the stuff that is not fun. That's not the reason you started your business. So go back, have that cup of yeah. coffee and ask yourself, why did I start this? What do I actually want to do every day? My husband and I do this at least once a year. We'll sit down, have a big, deep conversation about what is you know this whole thing of life all about and what do we actually want to do every day? And, you know, like for my hubby, it's literally he would be 
the happiest person on the planet if he can just spend his day at the airport and fly these little airplanes all day like that is his happiness I don't really know what my happiness is at this point like I love my helping clients out and spending time in coffee shops but it's it's to be honest with yourself and to know like okay this is what I want to do one day how am I going to get there because doing the same thing this hamster wheel over and over is not going to get you there it's to be honest and say these are the five things I need to change this is what I need to do. Like write them out, hire more people, fire this one, cut out this, stop selling this, sell this more, and then just focus on doing those, you know, until you actually reach your goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So right. So I know that we can talk for like 17 hours straight, but I have a couple of cool little questions before we finish up. So what do you wish people knew about franchising that you feel that they don't understand? That it's so much easier than people think. Um, I think this, the, the word itself has a stigma. I think it has been associated with massive, massive brands like McDonald's and Starbucks. But I want to remind people that they also started with one store and they just had a dream just like we do about having more and having more means that you need to multiply what you have, but you don't have to do the journey alone. And as long as you just kind of grasp that concept that it's not as difficult as people say, go find out for yourself, you know, like, yes, I've got programs and all of those things about franchising, but learn in your own country about what it's all about. Read up, you know, book a call with someone so you can get that information so that you can make a decision that's based on fact, not on fiction about what's going on in your mind. Love it. And so then what's next for you? So your focus is very much now on helping more people franchise their businesses. Where are you going to take this now? Yeah. So this for me is big. I want to go more into events. I want to meet people. I really want to share my energy with people. It's something that I've been known for is that I just light people up. For me, there is no limitation to a business. I I really believe that there's always a strategy, always a method that we can use for your specific business to take it to the next level. And I really want to inspire men and women, but women more specifically that you can have it all. I mean, Chrissy, my book that recently just came out was specifically about the myths that women believe that is keeping them from making millions in their life. And I really want to inspire women that you can have the business and be a mom. You can have multiple businesses. You can drive the fancy car and only work two days a week. You can have it all. You just need to know what it is that you want and how you want to plan that out and then make it happen. See, some people are good. They get up to the planning stage and they've got this whole mapped out and then nothing happens. And it's like the self-doubt comes in and, oh, what is my family going to say and my friends and all that BS. But it's literally saying, this is my life. This is my one chance to live the best life, to show my kids the best life and just to have fun every day. I just need to step up and and own that space. And yes, it's much harder than what it might sound like, but why don't you just take that first step? It's so addictive that you get to spend more time in your own energy that you won't regret it at all. Yes, absolutely. And you're so right. Your energy is very infectious. I think that's why we get along so well. (laughs) I feel like it's something that, you know, you've always been that person that just lights up the room. So I think that that's that's so beautiful for you to be sharing your energy with more people. And I think events will be just epic. I can't can't wait to run one together. Like that would be freaking epic. that would be amazing. (laughs) Amazing. So do you want to share with us where people can find you? Where do you think they should go next to, to start exploring franchising? Yeah, so I'm Nicolene Alfredat on all my social media. I've got a group um, on Facebook called the Franchise Society. And this is where I speak only about franchising specifically and how to multiply your location. So that would be a good place to start. If you really, you can just DM me if you really just want to hop on a quick call, talk about your business. I know a lot of times it's just like, oh, I've got this business. Do you think it could work? And then just for me to help you bust through some of those beliefs that you probably have and to give you one or two golden nuggets um, just about how to take it to that next level. Because once I get 
get your energy going. And once we just talk about the potential that you have, a lot of people can flourish just from that one conversation. And that's what, what excites me. And that's my gift to the world as well, is just sharing my knowledge. So that's what I would suggest you do. You can just DM me on Instagram or on Facebook, and then we can book a call for you. So right, because often like, I think when you're in it, you're in your own business, mm-hmm. all you can see is the internal, right? But when someone else has those fresh set of eyes on your business, they can see things that you can't see. So being able to have that opportunity to soundboard and just literally go, well, like you did with your client just a minute ago, like, why don't you just do this? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, oh my God, light bulbs. So I just love that. Yeah. Amazing. So I'll make sure that I share all the, the links in the show notes and tag you and everything. I'll make sure when I share this out that the, everyone gets to see it. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey and your experience with us today. I'm sure people are going to take so much away from this episode. So I really appreciate you spending this time with me. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.